Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everyone, Richard Crow here and welcome to On The Grid, a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000, TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more. Weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under. We'd love to have you involved as well. If you've got any questions about Antipodean racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the race talk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the Barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most, the voice of the Melbourne cricket ground as well, is Tony Shebecki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you for joining us. Uh, also joined by a new sponsor this week in Manscaped.com. We'll have more about that a little bit later on. There's been news coming through in regards to this weekend supercars in Darwin. And what we can tell you is that the event which was scheduled for this weekend has been postponed by a week to next weekend. And the event that was meant to be next weekend has also been postponed and could be run on a Wednesday night. That's all that's come through from Sean Seymour, the CEO from Supercars, who just held a press conference just an hour or two ago. And Sean Seymour saying the event timings, well, they, they have been changed. What we had, so the event that we had planned this weekend... Format, entire allocation, TV coverage with Channel 10, etc. will be next weekend. Right. And then the second event that was supposed to be that weekend, we're currently rescheduling. Does, does that make sense? Because we've, we've got broadcast obligations that we need to deliver on, which is why this weekend's kind of being pushed back a week. Yeah, but I guess the debate or the question is, after the 15th, 16th of August, when it will be held, will it be a week, the weekend after, or will it be possibly midweek? Uh, as I said, we're working through those options right now with the Northern Territory Government. But there is a, an election up there, there's other sport on, and we need to factor in the broadcast windows as well. So, as you guys know, there's a few people that we need to get uh, aligned uh, before we can announce that. Seema also saying that it's been a fairly tough past week for supercars and its staff. Yeah, so we've obviously spent the last three, four, the last week really, um, working with the Northern Territory Government on updating our COVID safe plans for the events up there as a result of the declaration of Brisbane and uh, surrounding areas as hotspots. So up until this point in time, our primary focus has been getting the health plans done. Uh, obviously, um, some information around what's happening there has already unfortunately come out today, but I, I'm not in a position to talk a, little, a lot more about that now until um, 
helpers uh, prepared everything on their side up in the Northern Territory. Um, but we're on our way to Darwin. We're going racing. Um, I think it's fair to assume that um, this weekend will be the postponed. Um, but what happens beyond that will work through uh, with the Northern Territory and events team um, over the next sort of 48 hours. But our, our number one priority has been getting everybody up there safely and doing it in such a way that's safe for the Territorians. And, and that's what we've been working on over the past week. Seema, though, not upset that supercars were caught off guard by the government in the Northern Territory closing the border to those Queensland hotspots? No, I think, unfortunately, um, no one could have predicted that people were going to go shoplifting in Victoria. So, uh, unfortunately, you can only control what you can control. Unfortunately, because of the travel times, with everything from satellite trucks, fuel trucks, that there was no way and we've been speaking to the Northern Territory government daily for a week about this since the the two cases were identified on return from Victoria so uh, unfortunately there's no amount of given the distance that needed to be travelled say for the people that go on a plane uh, the operations unfortunately we're not like a ball sport where you can throw the guys on the plane and, and you're away uh, operationally, there's a lot that needs to play out on the ground. So the schedule is all pretty much up in the air sort of at the moment. What we do know, though, is that Townsville is definitely going on after the two races in Darwin and the possibility that there could be a double header weekend as well. That's been speculation for the last couple of weeks. Confirmation, hopefully, coming on that shortly. But Sean Seema confirming that Townsville is where they'll go next. No, at this point in time, we're not making any changes to Townsville. But the, the clear sentiment from all of the teams is if they're on the road, they want to be racing. Also, back on the cards, Queensland Raceway could be a possibility after the Townsville event. This is what Seema had to say about QR. Yeah, we're looking at, we're absolutely looking at that as an option. Uh, it, it's... Uh, obviously in a good location from an operational point of view for the teams, but we've just got to keep an eye on the hotspots over the next couple of weeks. So I don't expect any uh, further announcements around plans post-Townsville, um, probably until we get closer to Townsville, to be honest with you. I think, if nothing else, uh, the events over the past couple of weeks have shown us that it's extremely difficult uh, to plan more than four to six weeks in advance at the moment. And with the season going on for so long and being so disjointed with uh, teams and drivers having to be away from their families, especially the Victorian teams, one would think that Bathurst could be the finale for supercars in 2020. Seema confirming that today. Yeah, look, that's certainly a consideration. I think that you know the thing that's forefront of our minds is the amount of time that our people, both teams, TV, our partners and suppliers, the amount of time that they're spending away from their families is, is taking its toll, right? So um, that is a, a consideration. Um, we are looking at that as part of our planning. But like I say, we, you know, we have four or five different scenario plans that we'll execute under any you know, range of circumstances. But, but that is absolutely something that's under consideration. All right, that's pretty much all the news on supercars in Darwin. We'll have more in our chat a little bit later on with Richard and Mark. Also, Tim Macro to join us as well soon. But first of all, let's get into all the other news and we kick it off with Formula One. 
And Lewis Hamilton has become the first driver to win his home Grand Prix on seven occasions, having limped over the line at Silverstone on Sunday. Hamilton and Mercedes teammate Valtteri Bottas had seemed destined for a 1-2 finish, but the pair finished with late tyre drama that saw Bottas slip to 11th. Hamilton finished just five seconds ahead of a fast-finishing Red Bull Max Verstappen and admitted the closing stages were extremely stressful. And as I try to accelerate, the tyre starts to deflate more and I'm thinking I'm going to lose the wing, I'm gonna, maybe the wing will go under the car. You have all these different scenarios that, uh, that face you. But, and the thing doesn't want to turn right, obviously, because it's, it's busted tyre. So uh, I, I don't know, I just I made some switch changes to lock all the diff and just tried my hardest to, to get round without losing too much time. And I could hear him catching me. There's 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 19, 15, 10, 7. And I'm, I'm thinking, geez, this, this is the one of the most horrible feelings, uh, hearing someone catch you that like when you get overtaken just before the line or something. But, uh, you know, thankfully, with, uh, with everyone's support, we managed to bring it home. Tyre supplier Pirelli have launched a 360-degree investigation into why Hamilton... Bottas and McLaren's Carlos Sainz suffered tyre failures late in the Grand Prix. Sainz had been running fourth on the final lap, but John Bottas in sliding down the placings, ultimately finishing in 13th place. Pirelli boss Mario Isola stated it was possible the tyres had worn on the high-speed track, but didn't rule out debris playing a role. Racing Point boss Otmar Snaufer has blamed a clutch bolt issue for the team's inability to start Nico Hulkenberg's car at Silverstone. The car's power unit failed to start prior to the race, leaving Hulkenberg, who qualified in 13th, in the garage. It was to be the German's first race with his team, having re- uh, it was to be the German's first race with the team, having recently joined as a short-term replacement for Sergio Perez, who had contracted COVID-19. Nico Hulkenberg, unfortunately, not happy with the result. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, isn't it? Somehow it, it fits into all these crazy days that I've experienced. But obviously, uh, yeah, kind of disappointing and for me and for the team. Obviously, they tried everything. But uh, some sort of power unit issue, we didn't manage to, to start the car and, and get out there, which is obviously, uh, yeah, um, yeah, disappointing uh, and a problem. Red Bull's Alex Albon has described the incident which saw Kevin Magnussen crash out of the British Grand Prix as 50-50, despite being handed a five-second penalty. Magnussen labelled Albon's passing attempt on the first lap as poorly judged, and while the Dane did not return, Albon recovered to finish eighth. Despite this, Albon was willing to take the heat. Yeah, it was 50-50 to me. It was, it was, Kevin went off the track and he re- kind of the way he came on, there was a the space there initially, and uh, at that point, I realised, okay, he's, he, he doesn't see me or, or the gap's closing very quickly, and I tried to get away from it, but at that closing speed, it was just too much. Um, and then, uh, obviously, we had the damage, which was a shame. Meanwhile, this weekend's second Formula One Grand Prix in the UK will take on special hi- historical significance, celebrating 70 years since the sport's first World Championship race. Silverstone hosted the historic event back in 1950 and will now become just the second track to host two events in a calendar year after July's dual Austrian events in Spielberg. 
Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas remain on top of the Drivers' Championship heading into the race, although third place Max Verstappen has closed the gap to Bottas to just six points for second. And with his preview into this weekend's Formula One racing, we welcome Dale Rogers. Yes, thanks, Tony. Uh, there's no question that uh, the best place to be in uh, England in summertime is at Silverstone, the magnificent uh, old airfield turned on a great show. Uh, but the only place you probably didn't want to be if you were a Pirelli C1 tyre was Silverstone. An extraordinary race, in, probably in three stanzas. Uh, first part was action-packed, some great early lap uh, racing uh, from the front of the grid um, and some big accidents as well. We saw uh, uh, Magnussen tagged by Albon and then um, Danny Kivia uh, having a big, big um, failure in the rear of the car, rear tyre go down and sending him at, at, at Maggots. Uh, middle of the race, uh, barely bedded itself down as we thought it would to a Mercedes procession, but it all came alive in that last stanza uh, where one by one we saw the challenges uh, failing tyres. Uh, uh, not a good look for Pirelli, but uh, uh, Bottas was the first to go. Uh, Verstappen really uh, had that uh, pit stop which cost him the race inevitably to change. He was chasing a fastest lap. Had he stayed, he would have won. Uh, that's all easy to say in hindsight. Then we saw Carlos Sainz uh, go down with the front left and then finally Lewis Hamilton on the very last lap of the race. So incredible last few laps. Um, it benefited Dan Ricciardo, who had driven a really good race, up two spots from the start. And then, um, of course, uh, battling with the, with the McLarens. Great to see the Renault with the McLarens. Uh, and really they are not far off the pace of the uh, Ferrari now. So I think for the Renault-supported uh, teams, the factory team and, and its customer team, there's a great battle ensuing there. Disappointment of the race for me was, uh, was uh, Racing Point, not so much for Nico, Nico Hulkenberg, which was a tragedy to see him not start, but also that uh, um, Lance Stroll probably showed that uh, he's not quite yet a front-runner. Uh, in my opinion, the, uh, the, had that been Perez in that car, probably would have gone a bit better. Did complain a lot of tyre issues uh, on the runs. Um, it was thrown into a, a disarray with the early uh, pit stops around lap 12. Pirelli had said that on a normal race they would not have occurred lap 18 or 20, and then you wouldn't have had that extremely long run on the C1 tyre. However, looking forward now, Tony, uh, we go back to Silverstone. Hopefully the weather remains, or maybe, maybe some rain would be good, uh, but another fantastic race ensuing this weekend at, at Silverstone. Uh, it's just a glorious circuit to watch Formula One cars on, even if the racing's not that great. Watching those change of directions of the cars through Beckett's and Maggots is just quite stunning. So uh, great coverage by Sky once again, and, uh, uh, but we do have a tyre change. The C1s, the ones that failed last weekend, will not be running, and they actually will go to a softer compound, the C2, 3 and 4 compounds they'll be using this week. In, so the four is introduced, a softer compound. Um, but again, you know, it, it's probably not going to be a, a, uh, the thing that will change the race. Uh, it'll change the strategies and it'll change the pit stops, but uh, I don't expect you'll see the same sort of tyre failures. Uh, again, albeit that if those safety cars change your strategy right around, you are going to do long runs. Mercedes in a great space. They are a second faster than the field in qualifying, and that's just an eternity in, in this game. Um, but behind that, there is some great battles. Um, we, we see that the racing point is a very, very quick car, as we've been saying all year. Uh, the Renaults and McLarens really battling now for that uh, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh spot. Um, Ferrari, yeah, look, Leclerc drove a great race. Uh, Vettel was absolutely nowhere and had some major problems with that car. So uh, we'd hope that Seb gets back into the mix. 
Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so another great race. Uh, there's been a couple of new races announced uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, one which really caught my eye, Tony, was the, the return to Imola and a two-day event, which is really interesting. So they'll, uh, they'll practice and qualify on Saturday and race on the Sunday. Um, so it'll, it'll really test F1 to see if these condensed events will do it. No good for a promoter like the Australian Grand Prix Corp who relies on a four-day event. But under this, uh, this strange environment we're working in, Tony, it, uh, under the COVID rules, a two-day Formula 1 event could really be an action-packed event at a track they haven't been to for a long time. So let's go to Silverstone this weekend, see if uh, someone can knock those McLaren, uh, the uh, Mercedes off, and hopefully Dan the Man uh, brings home some more points. Motorsport Australia has confirmed supercars must carry out at least six races across four states for the Australian Touring Car Championship title to be awarded. The state quota is set to be met this weekend in Darwin with races having previously taken place at Adelaide and Sydney. Also, Melbourne with the 400 was cancelled due to COVID-19, but it's believed the event will count as qualification was carried out in full. A return to Queensland Raceway could be on the cars for supercars in 2020, but only if safety elements are reinstalled as they were in 2019. The Ipswich track has been rumoured to host an event as COVID-19 continues to cause fixture uncertainty, with only the upcoming Darwin doubleheader locked in. Circuit owner John Tetley previously explained to the Racetalk.com that the safety features, which are in line with FIA safety standards, couldn't necessarily be reinstalled at short notice. Yep. Yeah, look, uh, we don't have any um, issue with supercars. I do have an issue with cams because... Yep. Uh, even though we spent $40,000 proving the coater barrier is the way to go and, and would have saved a life or two, yep. um, yeah, they, they still won't look at it. So we really are uncomfortable nowadays with the uh, CAM safety requirements. We don't think they're good enough. Rockingham is once again putting its hand up to host a supercars event. The public consultation now underway over a proposed motorsport facility in the region. The plan would see a 3.1-kilometre racing circuit while rallycross, karting and a drag strip are also included in the provisions. Public consultation is open until August 24, with a more detailed plan expected to be released in September or October. Meanwhile, also locally, racing returned to Malala last weekend with a load of XLs running around. Richard Crowell filed this report. Hyundai XL national champion Asher Johnston has swept to his fourth Ryan Panovich Memorial Trophy victory as racing returned to South Australia at the weekend. Johnson sealed the win with a lights-to-flag victory in the 15-lap final on Sunday afternoon. His check-it-out racing XL leading home Danny Erigo and James Benford, 15-year-old Jaden Wanzek just missing the podium in fourth place. The RPMT, supported by theracetalk.com, is South Australia's signature XL event, and this year attracted a bumper 39-car field, despite not featuring any interstate drivers for the first time in its five-year history. Johnston, who helped found the event in memory of a fellow XL competitor, was justifiably pleased with his victory. Yeah, pretty cool, mate. Pretty cool. Um, we've had an awesome weekend. I can't thank my crew enough, Simon and Chriso, um, Susan and Sheree for keeping us all in line, um, Dave Byrne at XL Racing Australia for a really great engine, um, and all our supporters, um, Schneehouse Hilton, Graphic Art Mart, uh, Race Talk Media, everyone that gets behind us and, uh, and makes this happen. Um, Hooligators, yeah, thanks to everyone. Oh, just prep. The, the extended break's been really good. We've, we've been able to try some new ideas and really get them sorted and have a good couple of test days prior to this weekend. And then sort of we threw a, new, a few new bits at the car on Friday and they all worked. So 
um, it's been, yeah, everything's gone to plan and, yeah, the results have been fantastic, so can't be happier. Second-placed Erigo held off a challenge from Benford in a tight tussle for the podium spots. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, we got a good start, but obviously didn't have the pace of Asher. Well done to Asher. Um, but, yeah, we hung in there. I think James has catched me for a little bit. Um, I thought he was coming, but, ah, well, held him off. That was good. Yeah, I'm uh, spent about, I don't know, eight laps in. The old physique's not, that, not the greatest, so, yeah. Uh, I'd like to thank Mike from MV Racing. Um, for He does everything for me. Um, Lee Stibbs, helped me out, lending me tools. My old man, always there. Lunch runs, the best, so, yeah. All of the guys, if I missed anyone out, if I borrowed something, yeah, thank you. Benford, meanwhile, recovered from a challenging start to his race to finish strongly and round out the podium. Uh, yeah, really good. Um, a bit of a sketchy start to it. I had a big moment in uh, turn one. Um, which just sort of let uh, Danny and um, Asher down the road a bit. Um, but sort of then uh, Jade Wontek got a, got a position on me as well, but got it back and was chasing and chasing, but closing the gap tenths at a time. And um, it felt like I was getting there. Maybe it was a 30-lapper I might have got there, but um, no, I couldn't, couldn't quite get it across. So Yeah, it's, it's hard work. Um, every year I come here and think uh, I should probably come in a bit better condition. But this year with Rona, I think I've put on... Uh, eight kilos and watched uh, all of the Seinfeld on a stand again so um, the fitness is not good and I felt it in that one. Well, I'd like to just to Wayne um, and Leslie Panowicz not only do we get to remember Ryan this weekend, um, I know it's a big one for them so thanks to them for letting us do this every year um, but particularly Wayne, um, he lent me a set of coilovers to, to get me on the track this weekend so without Wayne personally I wouldn't be on the track. Um, to my little brother as well um, he does put a bit of time and he got me here. We were literally putting it together Friday night. So thanks to him and obviously Matt from Vote Voss NZ um, for his continued support. So thank you and thank you to everyone who put the event on. Cheers. The Ryan Panovich Memorial Trophy doubled as the first round at the SA State Championship. Johnston leading the standings, heading towards round two at the Bend in October. Repsol Honda's Mark Marquez is set to miss this weekend's Czech Grand Prix at Brno having undergone a second round of surgery to repair a plate in his right arm. The six-time champion sat out last week's Andalusian Grand Prix after breaking the arm in the closing stages of the Spanish Grand Prix last month. Frenchman Fabio Cuadrero leads the MotoGP standings with 50 points from the two races. Three-time Indy 500 winner Helio Castroneves has signalled his intent to return to IndyCar in 2021, following the dissolution of Team Penske's and Acura's partnership at the end of the season. Castroneves switched from Team Penske's IndyCar program to their sports car program in 2017 and is now keen to re-establish himself in open-wheel racing. Castroneves finished fourth in his last full IndyCar season with a win and three pole positions and admitted at the time he felt he had unfinished business in the sport. And finally, Brad Keselowski has announced he'll extend his time at Team Penske for the 2021 NASCAR season. Keselowski has been with the team since 2010, winning 32 races and becoming the Cup Series champion. In 2012, he stated his sights are now set on the Daytona 500 and another championship. Time to catch up with an old mate of ours. He's been a longer mate with you in your time with Formula 3. We speak, of course, of... Formula 3 legend and motor racing man here in Australia, Timmy Macro. Hello, Tim. How are you? Hi, guys. Uh, not too bad. Just getting ready for lockdown. So, yeah, we're <laughs> nearly there tomorrow. So, yeah, that's where we're at. So, Crosby, we've got 
Tim on to sort of have a chat to us in regards to what it's like to be someone involved in motor racing here in Melbourne, where effectively mm. in the last two days, the government has put so many regulations and restrictions on that uh, motor racing will stop. People going to the garage to work on their cars will stop. And it just looks like, yeah, a, an absolute full stop to six weeks. Yeah, well, inconceivably, motorsport not um, deemed an essential service, which is rather offensive to those of us that work in the sport. But, Timmy, just just as a Victorian race team owner, um, as a business owner who works predominantly in motorsport, just give us an idea of the effect this next six weeks is going to have on you from a business and personal point of view. Well, I was thinking about this today. Essentially, we haven't really done anything since since the grand prix like that's how long we've sort of been um sort of in limbo along the way we've done a couple of test days and some things happened sort of in the first version of lockdown but basically this lockdown means we can't operate so for the next six weeks we're going to be doing nothing uh we won't be coming into the workshop uh even if we if you have some little projects or anything that we're going to be keeping you going that's got to stop because we're just not deemed essential so we feel down in Victoria, I think we feel like we're a little bit of a naughty cousin, I suppose, to the rest of the world because we're being, being sort of cut out of the rest of um, Australia. But at our level, like, I mean, I, obviously we do the S5000. Um, I'm in Radical Carp. I do some historic stuff as well. Um, you know, none of that's happening. And so basically we're sort of just sitting here sort of twiddling our thumbs a little bit and... Uh, yeah, we'll just have to ride it out and uh, hopefully we get, get past the other end. And I think another thing is too, is that, yeah, we're, we're quite, we are professional teams, but we're semi-professional in that we can't do what supercars are doing because a lot of the guys are contractors and they have other work. So we just can't operate in a bubble or that's that kind of way, to be honest. So Tim, while you are a, a team owner and a mechanic and all that sort of stuff, primarily you are a race car driver and, while other Australian sportsmen at the professional level are getting the opportunity like AFL footballers and the like to do and ply their trade, what does it feel like as a sportsman who can't perform any sport? It's really weird. It's frustrating. Um, I mean, I, I like getting in the sim and doing all that sort of stuff. And I've raced the ARG um, sort of online stuff, but it's, it's just not the same. Like, you know, we live and breathe this stuff. We like going to the racetrack. Uh, I think, you know, obviously the racing and my driving is a massive part of what I do and my business and all that sort of stuff. But it's also the add-ons from that is that I do a lot of driver coaching for a lot of different people. Um, I work for a lot of different car companies as well along the line. And basically that's all gone. So that's all shut down. And a lot of the car company stuff, for example, is shut down till next year. So there's a lot of people in that position sort of, you know, at the level, you know, the semi-professional level that um, who work um, otherwise in motorsport but doing other things as well can't can't operate it um, at all. So it's um, frustrating, a little bit worrying too, and it's just plain weird as well. Like with having not sat in a race car effectively since um, the Grand Prix, it's I think the longest time of it, um, it's ever been since I've sat in a car. So anyway, um, as I said before, we'll just have to ride it out and hopefully this will you know hit it on the head hopefully you know if everybody behaves like they should that um, our industry can get back up and running before the end of the year mate you're well connected in the the melbourne racing family and a lot of the sport a massive chunk of the sport is based over there and, and that's what's causing 
so many dramas nationally and that almost every category has an enormous chunk of their competitors that come out of that part of the world. Um, what's been your read from people you've talked to in the game in the last couple of days and within the industry and just how the, the industry, I suppose, is holding up out of this? Because there's, there's going to be some collateral damage along the way, isn't there? There's the financial implications of this are so serious. Well, there's, there's a lot of people um, who have a lot, a lot larger overheads and, and doing some sort of categories like, you know, career cup and stuff like that, that are in a lot worse position than me. And, um, I, you know, they've got to be hurting and I think everybody's hurting. And especially in that instance, you've got, you know, three career cup cars sitting there that, you know, effectively, you know, they've got a four year lifespan. You're basically missing out on a year of earning money, um, off that car. So it's, it's really difficult. And for the people who own cars as well, like, I mean, I just, yeah, it, it just hurts all around. There is some different businesses that, you know, still do some fabrication and stuff. They can still sort of operate, but it's a little bit grey as to whether they'll be allowed to operate in stage four as well. I'm not entirely sure. So we're still kind of working out from what we've heard today exactly what we can and can't do. So there's a lot of different businesses around Melbourne that are in a, a lot worse position than I am. But the, the, the hard part is not being able to go into state. Um, so for example, there was a state round in Sydney on the weekend that I could have gone to, you know, help some customers, you know, earn some money, cross the border, all that sort of stuff. We can't do that. And that's probably the worst thing out of the lot. We, you know, we can't even get out of Melbourne at the moment. You get to Broadford, um, just before Winton and there's a, they stop you and ask you what you're doing. So we can't even get that far. There's a, no one can prepare for this kind of situation no one can prepare for a global pandemic like this but do you feel like our sport in in particular at that semi-pro level so super two career cup the stuff you're doing s5000 tcr do you feel like this is maybe i'm I'm trying to pick of the right words exposed a few weaknesses in the business model and the fact the margins are so unbelievably tiny as well and that a lot of people are just skating by on the skin of their teeth to get by in this industry? Do you feel like it's exposed a few elements that down the road we perhaps need to work on in the affordability side of motor racing? Yeah, like, I mean, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it too in depth, but yeah, like, I mean, this has really exposed the fact that if something like this happens where we stop dead, a lot of people won't be able to survive it. And um, yeah, maybe we need to look at a few things and how everything operates and the affordability of the categories and, you know, yeah, you know, even bigger business that you see outside of motorsport, like they've just completely, this has just decimated them. And, you know, there's maybe there is a few things we can look at to, you know, make it a little bit more sustainable cost wise and make it a little bit easier on the team. So they're not flying so close to the wind, but you know, it's going to have to, you know, we're going to have to have a good look at it and, and just in case, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, nothing like this happens ever again. We uh, hear from ARG and the fact that they believe that they're going to get some racing in at some point down the track. It looks very much likely that that Sydney round will be cancelled and that's done and dusted. Uh, it's getting harder, isn't it, to even to even consider having some sort of racing in 2020 for the fact that by the time Victoria's back on the market, it'll be like the end of September at least as a minimum. Yeah, look, I, I hate to think like that, but it is getting to that point where, you know, you do sort of start thinking 
will we be on the grid this year? I really hope so. I really, like, I mean, we're going to Bathurst in the S5000. Like, we've got to do it, you know. Yeah. It's got to happen. But, no, it, it may not. We might have to wait till next year. And it's, um, I, you know, in reflection for myself, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not towards the end of my career, but I'm getting there. And every year counts. And this year was going to be a really big year for me not only driving-wise, but team-wise. I had some stuff overseas to do and bits and pieces as well of driving. And, you know, I haven't got heaps of years left. So it's it's like a year lost. And, you know, I, I really hope that we can just get on the grid and do two or three races before the end of the year, before Christmas comes, and then head over to Tassie in January and, um, you know, almost make a summer series out of it. So, um, uh, yeah, I just hope that that happens. Financially, Tim, have you been hit hard in regards to this personally? Are you eligible for the JobKeeper fifteen hundred dollar payment and the like? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's been real tough to be brutally honest. Um, look, I mean, so yeah, I've, I've only just become eligible for JobKeeper, so that's gonna you know make things a little bit easier. But yeah, like I mean, your budget for the year, like my sponsors as well. Like I had really good sponsorship this year from UCS and Hollinger and, and different people that were um, going to be on the S5000. And I, you know, leading up to the Grand Prix, the hardest part about the Grand Prix is we actually got there. So the money was spent. Mm. So it's really hard to give them any value and whether or not they'll, they'll want to do the rest of the, if we do more races this year, whether or not they can actually do them is, you know, still in question. So, you know, we may not get to the grid because of sponsorship. And obviously the first thing to go when, you know, businesses are struggling is marketing. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it's been a really big hit. And also like, because I run, you know, cars in different categories as well, there's no money coming in basically. So it's, um, it's, it's pretty tough to be honest. Uh, what, what has been going on though, Timmy, in your world? And I understand that there's a little simulator project that's been occurring <laughs> behind the scenes to uh, keep yourself occupied. Yeah, like, as you know, I do a lot of driver coaching, younger guys, older guys, and girls as well, all, all over Australia. And um, we've been building it for a little while, just sort of getting there. But obviously, the pandemic, we haven't really had much to do in the workshop. So we've built a really, really cool sim uh, with a genuine open wheel tub, um, you know, screens, VR, the whole bit. So we've gone a little bit all out with it. And I really want to try and bridge the gap between go-karts and getting into either lower formula like Formula Ford or Formula 3. Um, I really want to bridge that gap. And that's that's why I made it out of an open wheeler as well, because, you know, I want to help help the younger guys and, and get them out of carts into race cars. And so really, I think, you know, the sim is, is becoming a big part of day-to-day business for teams as well, um, getting their drivers some experience, learning the tracks, all that sort of thing. So gone down that road. And, um, yeah, we're going to start pushing it shortly. It's only really just been finished and... Uh, Hopefully, when it was six weeks is over, we can get a few people in and and uh, get coaching them and then get them into cars. It's a cool thing, Shebex. I've yeah, imagine. Yeah, I uh, see a few photos of it. It is the most tricky. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, mate, that is a Formula One car <laughs> with a computer screen. It's very cool. No, cool. Um, cool. Mate. Good to hear you're still going all right. Um, these next weeks, I, I think, are going to be tough. It's, it's the whole industry's hurting nationally. And if you're not in a supercar team, and even they're in some strife, um, you know, it, it's... Massive. Yeah, they hurting as well. Yeah, it, it's so hard because so much of the sport is based in Melbourne. 
So every national category mm-hmm. um, has, you know, a better than 50% portion of their grid that comes out of Victoria. So without it, it's a massive struggle. So um, glad you're chipping away, mate. Good to catch yeah. up. And um, we're sure you'll be yeah. back on the grid for S5000 and um, go for another gold star win to add to your already impressive tally of uh, wings and slick victories. Fingers crossed, guys. Uh, thanks Good for on having you, me and uh, stay safe. Mark Walker from theracetalk.com. It's time to talk some racing. Your thoughts on the cancellation of Darwin Racing this week and what may happen in the future? Well, boys, I'm feeling a strange sense of deja vu because we should be absolutely transparent with our listener that um, this is take two upon the grid because we we usually record on a Tuesday night um, and we may as well have been recording in 1980. Yeah, for all the sense that we made in version 1.0 of On The Grid. So uh, as we got closer to the podcast dropping today and the news continued to evolve out of what was going on up in Darwin with this drama um, in getting everybody in, uh, we decided that it might just be worth in sitting on it for a little bit and uh, prolonging. So we're absolutely 100% up to speed. And of course, for our listeners joining us on, on RS1 via the Radio Show Limited Network, um, this will be more topical for them as well. Uh, yeah, what a what a what a strange four or five days of will they won't they? This has been and and this in it's been so different to the Victorian rush to the border and the subsequent rush to Queensland. But it's just another bloody odd chapter in the way that this year has played out. Quite obscure, um, but ultimately probably a good result because the alternative, from as far as we could see, was. Darwin not going ahead at all. And that would have placed real doubts on the remainder of this championship even happening, I would have thought. So the fact that Darwin's been pushed back a week, um, at least one of the Darwins has been pushed back a week. That's great. Fantastic. And then um, maybe some innovation for the second Darwin round before they ship across to North Queensland. So going back, going back to last Friday, was it Friday 2020 or was it Friday 2003? I don't know. It seems to have uh, gone on just a little bit there. So the Northern Territory government shut off their borders retrospectively pretty much to people who were in certain parts of Brisbane. And as of Friday evening, we had supercar staff members, drivers wandering around town out there posting their stuff on social media, having a grand old time. The, uh, the words come down from the towers. Nope, we've got to shut this down. So people are busily moving house, deleting social media posts, pretending that Friday evening never happened. And then we spent, what, four and a half days in limbo where mm. we just did not know what was going on. We had people lining up the airport this morning. There was uh, toying and froing there. What was going on? As we speak right now, Virgin Airlines flight uh, where are we? VZ9007 is somewhere in the middle of absolutely nowhere over the middle of Queensland. Probably where they've got up parked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> got another couple of hours to go until they touch down in, in Darwin. And mm. even then, it, it's a mad time for some of those occupants of the plane. They'll be apparently going into quarantine. Others won't be, but um, yeah. It's going to be positive, the fact that we are actually going to still have a championship going on here. Yeah. I'm probably a little bit less angry about those two girls who, who ran the border last week uh, criminally, and we're about to stuff everything up for everyone. But uh, 
Oh, come on, it's forgiven. It's don't worry, it's all no, right. We can keep no, going and racing. No, don't it. forgive them. Bugger don't them. forgive them. No, they've delayed things by a week. And I had my weekend planned out to the T. It was a, a long weekend in my groove on the couch. Uh, I had the icebox ready, supercars no, rolling to some Formula One. Now this people, opens up time. This opens up time for you to go and rewire your car. Oh well, that <laughs> yes, God only knows it needs that. Look, it, it's interesting, isn't it? And this whole situation has come out of Darwin doing what every other state hasn't done so far which is putting a block on the border and doing it straight away because everything else we've seen has been right you've got 48 hours to get across the border or you've got 24 hours or you've got a day or whatever it might be darwin went no if you've been in that hotspot, you're not coming in simple as that without having to quarantine so that was the key issue Um, my word from inside the territory is that there were approvals from the major events obviously who are putting on the hidden valley event and also from uh, NT Health, but it went to the very top of the Territory Government and there was some um, reticence there, justifiably so, probably in these very challenging times where everyone's got public health at the forefront of their mind. And that's what's caused the delay. And the toing and froing has been between the government trying to get their events still going, but also to try and tick their box in the isolation and the quarantine. And then because... 90% 90% of the paddock was good to go and 10% of it had to isolate. There were real dramas in how you split that and how you manage it. So that's yep. what's caused the delay for five days of backs and boards and trucks being parked out in the middle of Queensland, parked on the border waiting to cross, but not being allowed to go over or, or being told not to go over. That's what's caused the delay. Quite a remarkable um, turn of events. But yeah, outcome is that everyone's going to get a nice holiday in one of the nicest places in Australia uh, in the middle of winter where it's 32 degrees at day and 22 at night. And um, then we can go car racing again. So Exactly. It was the optics of them allowing some people in and not allowing other people in, which they just couldn't allow at the same time. Mm-hmm. These people won't have it. There hasn't been community transmission in Brisbane. It hasn't been out of control. Yeah. Those people did the wrong thing, but by the same token, it hasn't spread into a widespread drama here in Brisbane. So I think with a hundred percent confidence, you could say that nobody will have COVID in the yep. Northern Territory on that plane heading up there right now. But yep. by the same token, it's a bad look, Shebex. Yeah. What was a, uh, an interesting comment from Sean Seema, which we heard earlier on was in the press conference we just had this afternoon when I asked him in regards to was uh, supercars caught a little bit off guard by Darwin closing those borders to the hotspots in Queensland. And Sean's answer was nobody could predict the two girls would go down to Melbourne on a shoplifting spree. <laughs> that was lovely of him. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> and he is absolutely spot on. No one could predict that. What we, what we can predict though, is that we will have racing in Darwin next weekend. We will have a second round in Darwin. Now at the moment, it would seem and everything would point to the fact that that racing is going to be midweek and the possibility of a twilight mm. uh, round on the Wednesday night. And I say that due to the fact that AFL is in town that weekend. So it would be unho- highly unlikely that Darwin would want supercars going up against AFL as they're going to be two very significant events, two games uh, up in Darwin on that weekend, including the Dreamtime game between Richmond and Essendon. So no one would want to take anything really away from that game because that'll be massive for Mm. our Indigenous community up there. But also, I think, due to the fact that there's an election on around that time as well in Darwin. So, midweek option would seem very, very likely. 
So there's a couple of things in that. The, the election's an interesting one. And, and I, I would throw money at the fact that I reckon that's influenced the decision-making here because if there wasn't an election, I would have thought that the government would have gone, no, you're fine, we'll give you an exemption. But this, the current NT government is up for re-election in a couple of weeks. So they're just dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making they don't do anything that will create a perception of their being risk for the Northern Territory with outsiders coming in and they're isolated as it is. Um, so, so that's one thing. The, the midweek racing thing is interesting. Now, I, I think we can feel, we don't feel smug here on the grid, but I, I think we can have a wry smile because if we've been consistent in one thing, gents, it's been in pushing the weeknight, weekday racing bandwagon since this all teed off as it, and it needing to be a viable option. Yep. And E-Series backed that up as being a viable option. The only problem with it is, is that the window to get it in is going to be really awkward because it's dark by 6, 6.30. So there is some temporary lighting at Hidden Valley Raceway down the main straight because it's a drag strip as well and they run there under lights. So you could run into the twilight. You're not going to have a problem with it raining and being dark and gloomy. So that's a tick. Um, but from a TV window, if you're Fox Sports, you want it on at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night to get the most ratings. They're going to have to run a race at 5 p.m., 5.30, Wednesday yeah. night at the latest. Um, so the scheduling is not ideal. But at the same time, it, it, it's great that this might be an option for them to get in because we've been talking about it for a long time. And we've been wanting them to experiment and use this opportunity to do different things since this all teed off. And they're sort of being forced into it now, which is not an entirely bad thing, in my opinion. And that Wednesday race, too, would open up the window to transit across to yep. Townsville. So it's about Earlier. a two-and-a-half... It's about a two-and-a-half-day truck drive across land there. So you, you really wouldn't want to be running those events back-to-back -back on Sunday and Saturday sort of thing. So at least if you open up another three days of transit there, the teams can mm. prep the cars a bit before... Townsville and it seems from what everyone's been saying that Townsville will wind up being two events which is a good thing and a good use of the facilities up there obviously being the two day events that they will wind up being it won't be a drama with the school because that was always the problem with that facility there is that it goes around the school so it always yeah. fell in school holiday times the fact that it's only a Sunday Sunday they don't have to send all the kiddies home from school they can run two weekend events there in a row outside of school holidays and it's no problem can I just tell you, boys, that post-Townsville, now, as we said, we do believe that there will be a second event at Townsville. Post-Townsville is interesting. Having a chat to Scott Seaman in that press conference only a couple of hours ago, it would seem that Queensland Waceway is very much on the cards and a big possibility. Did I say Waceway? You did say yeah, Waceway. So Those wascally rabbits. Those wascally <laughs> rabbits. <laughs> Uh, you also called him Scott Seymour, and I don't know who that uh, is. Sorry, Sean, Sean Seymour. Yeah, yeah uh, Sean Seymour and Queensland Raceway. Definitely back on the cards, and mm. I think that that is a big possibility. What is also a massive possibility with uh, Sean announcing that the Sandown date is definitely scrapped now for September is I think that this is just all too hard now, and it would seem very, very likely. And Scott and Sean did admit... <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> Sorry. And Sean did admit that uh, Bathurst is definitely one of their preferred scenarios for the as they finish for the season. Yeah, and that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, the risk is that if you send people home to Victoria now, they might not get out again until the end of the year because we just don't know how long this Victorian lockdown is going to last. 
Um, and once they're in, they ain't coming out. So that's, that's part of the problem. Um, while you've got them on the road, try and shorten that time period as much as you can. Bathurst in early October, at least you get the biggest event of the year on. Conclude the championship on a massive high with the biggest TV ratings of the year. Put a dot in it and then everyone can have, well, what, until February, March next year, potentially they can have five Aye. months. Well, <laughs> it could be <laughs> five months off to recoup, recharge, give their staff some downtime for a couple of weeks and then, then stress about season 2021 and whatever the hell that holds. So, look, it's the most common sense outcome to get the championship done and, and get it away for sure. And I mean, it's happened before. We have ended the championship at Bathurst when, back in the day when it was just coming on stream as a points race. So mm-hmm. there's precedence there. Um, at the rate it's going, it'll wind up being a Scott McLaughlin affair anyway. Well, it'll probably but win it, it before then. So yeah. It yeah. But even, even then, October, that's six years away. Like that could be yeah. anything. I mean, are mm-hmm. we going to be able to get uh, co-drivers out of Victoria? Is New South Wales going to be on lockdown? Is Queensland mm-hmm. going to be on lockdown by then? Who the bloody hell knows? So, yeah. There's so much still to play out. It's great that we've got seemingly the next few weeks locked away in the bank, but we're, we're, we're joking ourselves and we say this is what is going to happen. Yeah, 100%. But that's yeah. been the case since March. So The great, the great thing is, is that the uh, team at the racetalk.com have produced a Darwin... Uh, Your beauty! <laughs> Get to use it. it. Your so, beauty. We mentioned at the top of this segment that we've actually already recorded this once. <laughs> we were all we don't know if we can actually use the preview or not. Well, turns out we'll just keep it on ice. Like a it's cold valid next Darwin week, beer. Sure. Yeah, and we'll just slide it out next Wednesday. Sensational. Oh, <laughs> that you've made my day. This is I was so angry last night. I said, like, and now we've got a preview. This is the preview we're gonna <laughs> roll with. Now we're all happy. I'll just record it next week when we're all happy and it's fresh and new and Still relevant. How good. Speaking of anger, we all did have a a little bit of anger and angst, I suppose, towards the establishment and the government and the like and and the way it all played out in the last few days. Are we we happy to cut them sort of some slack now, sort of having a little bit of an indication and knowing what's happened in the last few days? No, No. I'm not, not, Shebex, because I think this could have been manage better from all sides from the very start. And and it was, it was the lack of communication that bugged me and everybody, I think that's been involved in trying to follow this and that it was radio silence. Now block the teams and drivers from social media drivers, especially because they're irresponsible on social media at the best of times. So that, that stops them from tripping up and causing you grief with your government deals that you've got when you're trying to get 250 people into another state in these times, that's fine. But there, there wasn't enough from the hierarchy at supercars just going, hey, this is why we've delayed the flight. Well, this is why the trucks can't cross. doesn't have to be much. Just going, hey, look, we're working through this with the government. There was a, a five-line statement, what, last Friday, I think, in the evening, and that was all we've seen. And, and it was the same from the government in the Territory. And sure, they've got an election coming up, so they've probably got other things to deal with. But, you know, they've sold 4,500 tickets a day to this event and more for the next one, whenever that might be. So, you know, as of Tuesday night at five o'clock, as we were recording our pod version one of this podcast going, we don't know what the hell's going on. There were still posts going up on the official Darwin Supercars Facebook page going, buy some tickets, grab the last spots, make sure you get there. Don't miss it. It's going to be huge. It's this weekend. So all around, I think it's been just the comms around. It's been a little bit frustrating, I think from everyone. And, 
chats we've had with our Juno colleagues in the game have, have all said similar things. I mean, everyone was, all the drivers, everyone was gagged. Everyone in team land, they're all gagged. They weren't allowed to say anything. I think a lot of information has leaked out to journalists. I think no, has, they yeah. have, they've been posts going around that were a hundred percent true last weekend. Yep. We're a hundred percent on for this weekend. They're flying out Monday night. Yep. The problem is with the, the whole silent treatment is that everything that's gone on in this past week is going to come out in the wash. Yeah. There's no point hiding it. If they were cancelled, if it was on, no matter what the outcome was going to be, mm. the facts were going to come out. There was no point suppressing it, was there? No. I, I suppose one good thing is, because we had that radio silence last weekend, I said this exact thing last night, so it was a good practice really, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, that complaints I've heard from people about that last Sydney Motorsport Park event is that they didn't know it was on. Yep. And like you had last weekend, the big run up into this event in Darwin and no one was saying a word about the event. Mm. At least now we've got a week and a half that we can talk up this event, yeah. put it on the map, get it in yeah. front of everyone, get everyone tuned in. So I think that's a positive, you know, I think that'll work a lot better in favor of the TV numbers that way. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. And and it will help subsequent events because this uh, next round is uh, a channel 10 free to air event as well. Townsville will be one of the Townsville's will be a free to air event. So they're going to get some momentum in a short space of time. So hopefully those TV numbers, which have been a bit soft of the rounds we've had, which is understandable given the variable schedules and the timing and everything around it. It's going to give them a good nudge moving into Bathurst and hopefully give that a massive boost when we get to October. So um, yeah, that that's a, a positive about it for sure. Couldn't agree with you more on that one. No doubt. All right, guys, let's call it quits because I'm still going to go write a new news on <laughs> the top of this and throw in some grabs and get this out. So thank you for your uh, your patience on this one. So we'll preview Darwin next week, boys. Um, yeah, yeah we will. Talk about the Triple Crown and one of the best events on the calendar and we'll try and get a driver on if they're ungagged by that point. Uh, we, we... Should, we should try and get someone who spent a week in Darwin, I so. Uh... On yes. the show, shouldn't we? That'd be Surely. no good. Yeah. That'd be no good. We, we made some suggestions of people who are local up there, but I think they've all hit the can. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 No, anyway. we definitely, we'll definitely get someone on next week. All right, boys, have a great week. Uh, enjoy the F1 on the weekend. That's about all we've got, <laughs> yeah. isn't it, really? And we'll talk again next week. Talk Bye. Mark and Richard joining us there. Thank you for joining us as well. We'll catch you next week right here on The Grid. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.